ways that we do that is through the guest card that's located there in the pew rack. If you could take that out for us in just a moment, fill it out. And then after the service, we have these drop boxes back here on the back wall. If you could just drop it in the drop box, that's just our way to get that back from you. Uh, we're going to continue to worship this morning, but I want to just take a moment to pray, to settle our hearts, and invite God to come and meet with us here in this moment. So let's pray together. Father, you are good. And God, we thank you for this opportunity to gather this new church year. And Lord, it's, it's been a crazy year. And Lord, we're ready for new things. And so God, we pray that in this new church year, this 2020-21 year, God, that you would move among your people like never before. God, that we would become more and more like Jesus this year. God, that we would see more people baptized this church year than we've ever seen before. And God, that you would grow us, grow this congregation spiritually more than ever before. So we commit this year to you, Father. It's in your good name that we pray. Amen. We had, uh, before we come out here, we always have a little time of prayer back there. And we got this really great discussion about this song. Uh, the song called Do It Again, and it's, it's talking about, it, the verse, first verse says, Walking around these walls, I thought by now they'd fall, but you have never failed me yet. And so we just got to talking about that, and, and uh, somebody in the group said, you know, when this pandemic start, started, they're, they're, they lost their job because it got, you know, they got canceled, and then they just kind of erased it, and... and um, he went on and could, could, was waiting for things to kind of change. He kept checking all kinds of things. And, and you know, he got a little nervous about, oh, Lord, you know, what are we going to do? You know, I, I don't have a job. And there's all this money from the government's going to run out. And what am I going to do? And then uh, four months to the day that he lost his last job, uh, he got another job doing the same thing. It, probably even a better place. And uh, so there's just, you know, you, you got to think about these things, you know. We're walking around these walls, and we don't see anything crumbling. You know, so why are they still, are those walls still there? You got to imagine that those Israelites walking around that wall of Jericho, you know, they walked around it, you know, and God said to walk around this. They sure still look strong to me. You know, the next day, they're still there, Lord. And then finally, you know, he wants us to walk around this how many times today? Oh, okay, all right, here we go, you know. Whoa! And they came down. So uh, you know, you know, God is faithful, and that's just who He is. And we have to remember that He has been faithful, and He's going to continue to be faithful. Will you stand with us?
promise still stands. Your promise still stands. Great is your faithfulness.
Lord, when we look back at our track records and your track records, we can say that you've never lied to us. Every promise you've ever made has come true. You are faithful, Lord. We're not worthy of that, but Lord, still you, you give it to us freely, this free gift of your faithfulness. Oh, Lord, we love you. We thank you.
Yes. Amen. Oh, let's pray. Lord, thank you so much for your promises kept. And then your promises that we're still waiting on. That is the day that you come back. We know one day you'll come back through those clouds and you'll bust the heavens open and you'll bring your, your children with you, Lord. And Lord, we look forward to that day. We look forward to the day when, when you'll ride in and bring us home. So Lord, we praise you. We thank you for all you've done, your promises you've kept. We look forward to tomorrow, knowing that you are faithful. In Jesus' name we pray, amen. Please be seated. Good morning. Good to see you today. Good to be with you. This is the first Sunday of our new church here. I want to welcome you, those of you who are here with us and those who are watching online. We value your presence and are glad for you. Today I want to begin a new series of sermons through the book of 2 Peter. If you have your Bible, I invite you to open it with me to 2 Peter. And Lord willing, we'll take nine weeks going through these three chapters of this short book, three Sundays in each of the three chapters. One of the reasons that I like to preach through a book of the Bible, well, one reason is because it lets God set the agenda. God wrote this, and he wrote it in his order. But another reason is that uh, it helps us to attain some Bible knowledge. Do you know what Second Peter's about? If somebody asked you, hey, you go to church, uh, what's, what's this book in the Bible, Second Peter, what's that about? What would you say to them right now? Could you say anything? Well, if you don't know, that's why you're here today. We're going to learn. So the theme of 2 Peter is the knowledge of God. I invite you to write at the top of your Bible on the page where it begins, the knowledge of God. That way when you come back to it in your Bible another time to read it again, you'll remember, oh, this book is about knowing God. We're going to see that key word or phrase, knowledge or the knowledge of God, nine times in these three short chapters. So the knowledge of God is the theme of this book. And the key question is, do you know God? That's what we want to talk about throughout these times. Do you know God, and are you growing in your knowledge of God? I think that's one of the most important questions we could ask. Do you know God? Now, you say, what do you mean by that? How do you, how do you know God? What I mean by that is uh, a personal knowledge of him. If you said to me, hey, do you know Governor Bill Lee? Then I might say to you, well, uh, what do you mean? I, I know who he is, and I know some things about Governor Bill Lee, but I don't know him. I've never met him. I don't have a personal relationship with him, and, and more important than that, he doesn't know me. <laughs> he doesn't know me at all. So I don't know him. But if you said, do you know Jake Dorak? I'd say, Yes, I know Jake Dorak. I know not only some things about Jake, but I have a personal relationship with him. I know him. He knows me. We have a relationship. That's what we mean when we talk about knowing God. Not do you know some things about God, you know some facts about God. He's eternal. He's holy. He's good. But do you know him in a personal relationship? And more importantly, does, does he know you? Now, God knows everybody but the Bible says in terms of intimate knowledge, to know him is to be known by him. You say, well, how, do, how would I know God? How can you know God? You can't see him, right? But what we understand the Bible teaches, that through the scriptures, he is revealed to us 
so that through the Bible, if you put your faith in him, you can know him by faith. And he's a real person, so he's knowable. And that if you put your faith in him, you can talk to him, you can experience his presence, and you can know him. Let me just show you a couple of verses, uh, introductory-wise, about this idea of knowing God that we're going to look at in 2 Peter. John 10, 14, Jesus said, I'm the good shepherd, I know my sheep, and my sheep know me. That's what we're after in our study that we would know him and be known by him. That's not a, a knowledge of equals. I know my sheep, we're his followers, but he says, I know them and they know me. And this is the most important thing because in John 17, 3, it says, now this is eternal life that they know you, the only true God in Jesus Christ whom you've sent. Jesus said, this is eternal life to know you, Father, and to know Jesus Christ. So that's what we're after, first of all, in this series is to know God and to grow in our knowledge of Him. So, let's jump in to 2 Peter. 2 Peter is a letter. 21 of the 27 books in the New Testament are letters. So much of our New Testament is a collection of letters that have been written to Christians and preserved for us. And so, this is the second letter that we have in our Bibles. Peter might have written 100. We don't know how many letters he wrote. But the, we only have two of them that the Holy Spirit preserved as our scripture. This is the second of those in our Bible. So in 2 Peter 1.1, let's jump in. It says they, they began their letter writing by telling the sender first. And so it says Simon Peter. So this is from Simon Peter. Simon was his given name that his mother gave him. Peter is the nickname that Jesus gave him when he met him. Peter means rock. Jesus saw potential in Peter to be a rock-like foundation of the church. And when Simon came to know Jesus, he was transformed. The knowledge of God will transform you. And so Simon was transformed into Peter. And he wasn't very rock-like at first. But if you'll come to know God, you can be different from who you have been and who you used to be, so Simon became Simon Peter. And he describes himself as a servant. To know God is to know him as Lord of our lives, and he, we are his servants. And then he describes himself and apostle of Jesus Christ. This is why we trust the Bible. The New Testament was written by the eyewitnesses, or it was all written by apostles or those who served and knew the apostles like Luke and Mark. So this is eyewitness account. This is apostolic. We, that's the reason we don't add any books to the Bible. Hey, why couldn't somebody add another book to the Bible? Well, the apostles are no longer with us, and the eyewitnesses wrote the New Testament, an apostle of Jesus Christ. Then, after the sender, when they're writing a letter, they tell who it's to. So still in verse 1 it says, To those who, through the righteousness of our God and Savior Jesus Christ, have received a faith as precious as ours. So he's writing to other Christians who have received the righteousness of Jesus Christ. When you believe in Jesus, your sins are forgiven. He takes your sin, he gives you his righteousness. And you're, you're right standing before God. To those who through the righteousness of our God and Savior, Jesus Christ. Here's one of the eight times in the New Testament where Jesus is called God. Jesus is our God and Savior. Have received a faith as precious as ours. So he's talking about either Comparing the apostles, you have the same faith as the apostles. Or comparing Jews and Gentiles, he's saying probably to these Gentile writers, we're the same. You come to know Jesus, you're on the same level of knowledge and of uh, righteousness as all the others. Have the same faith as ours. So then in verse 2 is the 
right away we have the mention of our theme, the knowledge of God. So underline it or highlight it or circle it there in your Bible. This is the key phrase, the key word, the knowledge of God. And here's what we're going to see is three things that it will make a difference in your life when you know God. Here's the first benefit or result of knowing God. Number one, knowing God brings abundant peace into your life. Would you say your life's characterized by a whole lot of peace? Or would you say your life's characterized by anxiety? Well, one of the benefits of knowing God, it says, is that it brings abundant peace into your life. Look at verse 2 again. Grace and peace be yours in abundance through the knowledge of God and of Jesus our Lord. So this is the greeting. So they sent a letter, they told who it's from, who it was to, and then there's almost always a greeting. The common greeting in the Greek language, in the Greek world, was grace. It was like their, like our hello. It was like aloha in Hawaii. Aloha. Hello. Grace. The common greeting among Jews was peace. Shalom. 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 Aloha. Aloha. You get the idea? So what the writers of the New Testament did was take these two common greetings and combine them together and fill them with far deeper meaning than just hello or aloha. So every one of Paul's letters begins this way, and both of Peter's letters begin this way. Fifteen books of the New Testament begin with grace and peace to you. And that's the characteristic Christian greeting. And it's filled with deeper meaning than just hello because peace comes from grace. It's always in that order, 15 times. It's never peace and grace. It's always grace and peace. You see, there are, a lot of us want peace, and we try to attain it. But the only way you'll have peace is to receive it. Grace is the gift of God where he's given us Jesus Christ. And he's saying that if you'll receive Jesus as your Savior, then the, the result of that, by knowing him through the knowledge of God, you'll have abundant peace. So grace comes first. You've got to have received the grace of God in Jesus Christ. And when you do that, the result will be of knowing him, grace and peace be yours in abundance through the knowledge of God and our, of Jesus our Lord. The word abundant there really means increasing. The more you're going to get to know are multiplied. So the more you get to know God, the more the Bible says peace is going to multiply in your life. So we really need to hear where this source of peace comes from, I think, now, because a lot of us think when circumstances change, I'll be at peace. I'm really anxious about this pandemic. I can't wait till they get a vaccine developed. When they get the vaccine developed, I won't be so anxious. I won't be so nervous. I'll be at peace. That's not what the Bible says. Because when they get this vaccine developed, there will be some other crisis that you're going to be worried about. Oh, I can't wait till the election's over. We get that election over. I'll be at peace. I can't wait till my kids go back to school. Or you're always going to be waiting for some circumstance next to bring you peace. If your peace is dependent on circumstances, that's not what the Bible says. The Bible says you can be at peace in a pandemic. Because peace comes through the grace of God and the knowledge of God and our Lord Jesus Christ. Knowing God is what brings you peace. So why don't you determine, God, I've been too anxious. I have not reflected your grace in my life. I'm going to start 
experiencing your peace now. Give that to me so that I don't wait till the pandemic's over, so that I don't live in a continual anxious kind of state. God, I want your peace to be multiplied or growing in my life. I want you to just ask him for that now. I want you to determine to live in the faith that he's given you and say, I, I'm not going to wait for circumstances to bring me peace. That won't happen. I'm going to find it through the knowledge of God. Second result of knowing God in verse 3 is that knowing God gives you all the power you need to live a godly life. When you know God in a personal way, it's going to give you all the power you need to live a godly life. Look at verse 3. His divine power has given us everything we need for a godly life through our knowledge of Him. I'd underline it. There's the second uh, occurrence of our key phrase. Underline or highlight or circle it in your Bible. Through our knowledge of Him who called us by His own glory and goodness. So when you know God, there's power, right? That's what it says. His divine power has given us everything we need for a life of godliness. Isn't that a great verse? When you know God, you've got everything you need spiritually. Now here's what happens. Even among those of us who are Christians sometimes, we're Christians, we know God, but we want to add something to it or search for something more. And there are Christians who go off on all kind of the latest fads because they think that new thing is going to bring them something else. So they get into crystals or they energy fields or some kind of yoga position and meditation or these things. Listen, when you're a Christian, when you know God, you've got everything you need for a life of godliness. You're not going to find any more of God than you find through Jesus. When you know Jesus, Jesus is the fullness of the Godhead. He's all there is. And when you've got Jesus, you have everything you need to live a godly life. You don't have to keep searching for something more. You don't have to chase the latest fads. Now, certainly we grow in our knowledge of God. I don't know enough of Him. I need to, we're going to talk about knowing and growing. Keep growing in that knowledge of Him. But it is through that growing relationship with Jesus that you'll have everything that you need to live a life of godliness. Now, you need to come to this verse in times of deprivation in your life. There are going to be some times in your life when you don't have all you want, right? Times when you don't have all the money you want. Sometimes you don't have all the help that you want. Sometimes that you don't have a relationship that you really wanted. And so in times when you don't have all you want and you feel inadequate or less than, why don't you just remember and mark this verse and come back to it and say, God, I don't have the job I want right now, but I have everything I need for a life of godliness in knowing you. Boy, that'll give you some contentment in life. It'll give you some satisfaction in life in times of deprivation to know I've got power. And his power has given me everything we need through a godly life, through our knowledge of him who called us. So did you know that God calls people? That's what it says. He's calling you today to know him. If you're not a believer, he's, he's calling you through the word that I'm reading and through his spirit working in your heart. He's calling you by his own glory and goodness. And if you do know him, he's calling you to know him more. He's, he's an active, seeking, relational, involved God, and he's calling you by his glorious and goodness to know him so that he can give you everything you need 
for a godly life. The third benefit or result of knowing God is that knowing God guarantees that one day you'll be like God. One day you'll be like God. So look at verse 4. Through these, he has given us his very great and precious promises so that through them you may participate in the divine nature having escaped the corruption in the world caused by evil desires. So we got this promise, these great and precious promises that we're going to escape the corruption or rottenness of the world and participate in the divine nature. Now that can be misunderstood. What does it mean that we're going to participate in the divine nature? It, it does not mean that you're going to become God. Um, that's what the Mormons teach. Uh, Mormon theology is that Jehovah God used to be a man, and he became a God and got his own planet, and one day you might become a God and have your own planet. That's, that's Mormon theology. That's not what I believe this means. It does not mean we be, become God, but in certain aspects we become like God. It doesn't mean that we're like God in every aspect. What aspect is it talking about here? In reference to it says having escaped the corruption in the world caused by evil desires. So it's talking about God's moral nature that you're going to become like God. His promise is that if you know Him, His promise is that if you know Him, that one day you'll experience, you've already experienced something of the divine nature in your immediate salvation, but you'll experience a greater fullness of the divine nature in regard to his moral nature, that is, that you'll have victory over sin. You see, when you become a Christian, when you're converted, when you first come to know God, you're saved from the penalty of sin. You're not going to hell. As you grow, you're saved from the power of sin. You gain some victories. But one day you're going to be saved from the penalty, from the very presence of sin. And it won't be there anymore. You'll escape the corruption of the divine nature. So you'll become like God in his moral nature. You're going to, I'm not perfect. But I'm going to be one day. And that's what you can say to the devil. You see, this ought to encourage you in your battle with temptation. You struggle with temptation in some areas. You struggle with sin in some areas. And some days you just get sort of discouraged and think, I just, I just give up. I keep struggling with lust. I keep struggling with greed. I keep struggling with jealousy. I keep, keep struggling with anger. I, I just, I'm not getting anywhere. Listen, when the devil tells you that, you read him this verse. And you tell him because of the great and precious promises that God has given that one day you're going to participate in the divine nature. You're going to win that battle. Did you know that? You're going to win that battle with temptation if you come into a knowledge of God. If you know Him, you're going to win. So you keep fighting because one day His promise is that you will escape the corruption in the world caused by evil desires and participate in His divine nature. That is your destiny. You're going to be like Him. Begin now to make it your goal to be like Him because that's where you're headed. I, I read about an article about people who idolize movie stars and they so want to be like them that they change their appearance uh, to be like them, uh, that they begin to dress like them, do their hair like them, even have cosmetic surgery to be like them. And so a guy named Tobias Strebel 
has spent $100,000 to look like Justin Bieber. He's had the surgery, and he's to look, because he wants to be like Justin Bieber, but that's nothing. A lady by the name of Jennifer Paplona has spent $470,000 to have a series of multiple surgeries to look like Kim Kardashian. Even had some ribs removed so that her shape would be more like that of Kim Kardashian. I give you an even better model to follow. Why don't you aim to be like God? Because by when you know Him, He's promising you that that is something attainable, not by your effort, but by His sanctification and ultimately His glorification. This says that you will participate in the divine nature having escaped the corruption in the world caused by Him. You hang in there because you're going to make it. You belong to Him one day. You're going to be like God in this point of moral perfection. So we're beginning our quest today. And I wonder if there's someone here today whom God is calling you. That he loves you and he, he wants you to, to be his. And he wants to know you and you know him. Would you, would you pray right now while you're looking up at me? Would you just pray? God, I want to know you. Through Jesus, your son, I want a personal relationship with you through Jesus. I put my faith in you. I will follow you as a sheep follows a shepherd. I want to, I want, Lord, to have these benefits in my life. I want to have peace. I want to have power. I want to have victory over this corrupt nature and to be like you. God, I want to know you and I invite you to be my Lord and my Savior. Would you pray that right now? Maybe you already have come to the point of conversion where you have a personal relationship with Jesus. Would you say as we begin this journey in 2 Peter, Lord, I want to know you more. I want to know you in a deeper, fuller way. I want that peace to be more multiplied in my life and that power to be greater and that victory to be stronger. I want to know you. Would you pray that today? Todd, come and lead us in a song. After our closing, I'll be in the parlor. Today, if you've prayed that prayer to receive Christ as your Savior, then I want to invite you to stop by. It's on the way out to guest parking up the ramp this way. Would you stop by and meet me? Another way, if you don't have time today to do that or aren't comfortable with that, there's a card in the pew rack in front of you that Jake referenced as a guest card. It's also a card you can use to indicate, I want to talk to a pastor this week about joining this church or becoming a Christian. You can check that and put it in our offering boxes on the way out on the wall right as you go out the double doors here. I'll be glad to contact you this week and in a way that you choose, and we'll talk about that. But today, if you're ready to join our church, meet me in the parlor. We'll take your picture. We'll fill out a membership form. We'll rejoice together. If you want somebody to pray with you, I'd be glad to do that. I'll be there as well. God bless you. Let's stand and let's uh, sing. This will be our closing song.
Thank you, guys. Be seated for just a moment more, please, if you will. I want to share with you, today is Launch Sunday in our church. It's the beginning of our new church here in our connection groups. This is when our students and our children and preschoolers move up to a new grade or new age level. Uh, this is when new leaders and new teachers begin uh, serving today. And in a moment, I want to pray for those of you. You are key people in our church. God bless you. Thank you. We went right to the end, getting all of our leadership positions filled, got them all filled, got somebody to teach your kids, no matter what age they are today. We thank you for those who are serving. I'm going to pray for you uh, in just a moment. We're so grateful for you. This is a great day for you to get involved in a connection group. Go to the Welcome Center if you haven't ever been before right after we close, and uh, there'll be somebody there to show you a list and locations and age grades and everything. Love for you to come at 945 and be a part of these connection groups. Uh, also, we have some, of course, at 830 going on right now. Then also, this begins our new church here this Wednesday. So this Wednesday, Children's Choir uh, begins uh, for uh, first through fifth graders at 3.30 p.m. Our Wednesday Night Fellowship Supper begins this Wednesday at 5. It's by reservation only, so you have to re make a reservation today at a deposit box. There are envelopes there. Somebody at the Welcome Center could help you. Uh, we're doing everything that restaurants in the area do. We're spacing our tables out, rolling our silverware where you don't handle as many things, taking all those precautions. But we have our supper beginning uh, at 5 o'clock this Wednesday, and then uh, we have our student worship and our kids' grow groups beginning and our prayer meeting restarts. First time we had outdoor worship. So this is the first time uh, that we've had that since um, a few months ago. So at 6 o'clock we'll meet to pray and 204 through, be 204 through 203. And then at 6.30 we have about a 20-minute prayer meeting. And then at 6.30 is our, con our Christian development program. New groups begin. They're in your bulletin. So Cindy and I are leading one called Introductions. That's our new member training. We've just renamed it because so many people are taking it before they join in addition to those who take it after they join. So we're calling it Introductions. So an introduction to Christianity, introduction to our church. And so if you're new, want to know what this thing's about, no obligation. You can join during it, but no obligation. want to invite you to come. Introductions, four-week class, begins this Wednesday. Two other electives there in your bulletin. Hope you'll check them out. Uh, and uh, you'll be a part of those uh, discipleship groups. Today, we welcome a new staff member to our church. This is Daniel McKenzie's first Sunday as our discipleship pastor. I want to pray for him. Daniel, would you come and stand by me? Yeah, we welcome him. Uh, some of you may not have met him when he came in June, and, so, and his wife Deanne is on the front row here, and two of their sons are here on the front row, two out of three. That's pretty good odds, I guess. Anyway, uh, so uh, Daniel's our new discipleship pastor in charge of all of our, our discipleship Wednesday nights, our Sunday morning, other things. So anything you don't know today, you ask him about where your group is, who a leader is, anything you want to know, you ask him today. He won't know any of those answers because this is his very first day uh, to be here. But I just want to welcome you, and, and we're so God, glad God brought you here. I, as I pray for our leaders today, I want to pray for you. Would you join me? Would you pray with me that this will be home to the McKenzies? Would you pray for their family? Uh, would you pray that our church will be a place they can grow and flourish as well? Let's pray together. Father in heaven, what a great day to be here. First of all, I want to pray for our connection group leaders and our new Wednesday night leaders. I pray, Lord, that this that you will fill them with your spirit and guide them as they shepherd these small groups. 
Lord, I thank you for their commitment to give their time to serve. Bless them through that. I pray for our connection groups to grow this year. I pray for our discipleship program to grow. I pray for kids who are going to a new class, maybe a little bit new to them. I pray this will be a great year for them of learning about Jesus and growing in him. Father, I want to pray over Daniel McKenzie. Thank you that by your spirit and your providence, you have brought him here to lead this ministry in our church. I pray you guide him, fill him with your spirit, give him wisdom and discernment, bless him in this role. Lord, I know this is a big change. He was 20 years at his previous church. I was a long time at my previous church before I came here. I know how everything is new. You've got to find a new everything. Lord, I pray you help them. I, I pray you bless them in this transition. I pray for Deanne. I pray for Clayton as he goes off to, to college in a few weeks. I pray for Carter and Davis that you bless them here to make friends and grow here. I pray this will be family, be home, and I pray that you'll use him to bless us and lead us to grow deeper in you and to reach more people for Jesus Christ. Bless us now in your congregation. I pray in the name of Jesus. Amen. You're forgiven.